Please be seated. Uh, most of you probably met Kim already. If you haven't, please do so after the service. Kim is with us for the next five months from St. Edwards in Mount Dora, and she is training to be a deacon, just like our Gordon is off doing at the uh, at the cathedral downtown. And when deacons are in training, uh, the rector gets two days off of preaching throughout <laughs> that period, uh, unless he assigns them more. But um, Kim is going to do two sermons for us while she is here, and today is going to be her first. So let's say a word of prayer before we begin. Gracious God, thank you for calling out servants in your church with humble hearts to serve your people as deacons. We thank you for Kim and the ministry that she already has. We ask that you would continue to increase the gift that you have uh, set aflame in her. And we ask that today you would give her your Holy Spirit to faithfully expound your word and encourage and strengthen our hearts with the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. We probably all know the Christian hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's a beautiful hymn whose lyrics were written by Charles Wesley, an English leader of the Methodist movement in the 18th century. Today we sing this hymn with joyful excitement. But Wesley's request was that his lyrics be sang to slow and solemn music. I wonder why. For the first verse, he pens the words that should ignite joy and hope into our hearts. God and sinners reconciled. In this one line, we see the mission statement of God. And to fulfill this mission, he sends his son in fullness of grace and truth. John makes it pretty clear. We are people in need of grace so that we ourselves can be reconciled to God. God is relentless in gathering his people back to him. Throughout the scriptures, the overarching message is about God's redemptive story. It starts in the book of Genesis and it goes all the way to the end to the book of Revelation. God sets apart a people for himself. And we are those people. The book of Genesis is a preamble for God entering into relationship with his people. Absolutely everything that happens between Adam's first breath and the death of Jesus was part of God's gracious plan to redeem mankind. Do you remember in the Old Testament the story of Rahab? She offered protection to the Israelites in Jericho. She bravely asked God to save her in spite of her sins, and he did. God's grace endures in spite of Abraham and Sarah's unbelief. And Moses, well, he doubted. He says to God, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. We see the grace of God displayed through the stories in the Bible. And that's the same grace that is displayed to us today. 
We're simply called to open ourselves to God's grace by the power of his Holy Spirit. Through baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit. We may depart from this grace, given to us freely, and we may fall into sin. But by the grace of God, we may rise again and amend our lives through repentance. We can't earn this grace. It is a gift offered from the love God has for us because earning has to do with attitude and self-efficiency and pride. Grace is opposed of earning, but it is not opposed to effort. Effort is an action, and God gives us the choice to take a hold of his hand of grace or not. He forces nothing on us. Through prayer and spending time with God, we grow in our relationship with him. We become much more attuned to his grace in our lives. In the midst of our hectic and very busy lives, it can be a challenge to carve out that time for God. Maybe you're intentional and you set a time each day to spend with God, but the distractions come. The baby wakes up from their nap, or there's a knock at your front door. Life happens. And God knows and understands this. So we try again. Because this time is critical for our spiritual growth. It is what sustains us when life happens. It enables us to perpetuate the active work of our maker's hand through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we serve as agents of restoration So we extend grace so that all people can come to know the goodness and love of God. We would all do well to take a moment each day to consider how we experience the mercy and grace of God in our own lives. I have been journaling for years. What started as a gratitude journal turned into prayer and spiritual reflection. Sometimes it's simply a safe dumping ground for me to write down my feelings. Reading old journals from months, even years ago, has really taken me back. It blows me away. It has allowed me to see God's intervention at the heart of the situation I've written about. It may have been about a matter that I was really concerned about at the time. It could have been a really big deal. Or it could have been about a behavior that I wanted to badly change about myself. And now as I reflect back, I see that the matter of concern was resolved. The behavior I wanted changed. It was changed. It just kind of happens. 
You're not even really sure when it did. It becomes evident that Grace had interjected in each situation that I had written on those pages. It's important to be aware of our blessings and to be aware when God extends this grace to us. Perhaps we deserved a speeding ticket, but got a warning instead. Perhaps the lump you found disappeared or ended up being benign. To extend grace to other people, we have got to recall grace that God has given to us at a deep and personal level. Many of us might be seasoned Christians here. Some of us might be in the beginning stages of our walk with the Lord. And beginnings, well, they can be exciting and they can be intoxicating. In fact, they can even take your breath away. It might be like the moment you were holding your squirmy newborn and breathe his or her scent. It may be the moment that you say I do to the man or woman of your dreams. The beginning is always fresh and it is full of possibilities. But what happens when you're in the middle of your story? It's in this place where doubt subtly creeps in becomes really challenging at times to see God's grace or to even see his hand in anything. What about when you find yourself exhausted during another middle-of-the-night nursing session or when you're in the middle of pairing a child with special needs or how about a child struggling with an addiction? Or perhaps you're depleted Because you're caring for an ailing parent. Or maybe you're even in the middle of recovery of an illness yourself. This is hard stuff. But suffering and pain can be a gateway for the grace of God to penetrate into our essence. In the last three years... I have lost both my parents and my daughter. There are not words to describe the pain of losing your child. But neither are there adequate words to describe the love of God experienced in such excruciating pain. Nothing else will do except to sit in stillness with him, the one who created you and knows your pain firsthand. The one who sent his son to suffer and die on the cross for me. This grace, this love, is like a soothing balm poured out upon you. The fact is, God is not aloof somewhere. He comes to us in the nitty-gritty of our pain, our mess, our suffering, our sadness, and he hangs out with us there. He draws us to himself. We sense a deep unity with our creator. 
Paul, I love Paul. He speaks of this grace. And he pleads three times to the Lord, take this thorn from my flesh. But the Lord tells him, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul goes on to tell us, for Christ's sake I delight in my weakness and my difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. We might wonder how we can overcome the challenges that meet us head on, and that's just it. We cannot overcome them alone. We are weak without him. This is where we come to the end of ourself and surrender it all to God. We have an option here. It's an option to understand our experience of powerlessness as an experience instead of being guided, even when we don't know exactly where. And that can be pretty scary. But we also come to see that a growing surrender to the unknown is a sign of trust in the one who comes to bring light in the darkness. This becomes an aha moment. And along with Paul, we too can say, I delight in my weakness. In our weakness, we are totally dependent on the one who wants to redeem us from our pain. When we succumb to that, a burden is lifted And we are set free. Perhaps our challenge is to relinquish the fantasy of an uncluttered, problem-free life and to accept each day that the Lord gives us as it comes. But we can only do this by knowing that he's not only in the midst of our life, but that he truly has the power and the desire to piece together our brokenness and to make something holy out of it. Talk about grace. In John's Gospel reading today, we are told, out of God's love for us, we have all received grace upon Grace. We're called by Christ to extend this grace to others. That is not always an easy thing to do. Especially for those who have wronged us or hurt us. But in most cases, these are the people who are most in need of such grace. Yet we feel they don't deserve it. But that's exactly it. They don't. And that's why it's called grace. We probably understand this. Because isn't that one of the things that makes Jesus so appealing to us? We too need that same grace. God's word as revealed in scripture and in the Bible is truth. 
The truth has the power to not only change our life, but to others who are around you. We need to read our Bibles. Its richness is etched deep within our heart and permeates from our being. Others see what you have, and they want what you have. And what you have is Jesus. Not only is our life deeply enriched, but we become an active participant in drawing others to the God of grace, love, and truth. You and I are an integral part of God's redemptive story. Talk about a purpose in life. As we grow in our walk with God and allow ourselves to transcend the walls that we can put up, then we will experience the intimacy that he much desires from us. We will find deep, unshakable, profound joy in his presence. Unlike human happiness, which can be so easily shattered by our circumstances, his joy prevails over our adversities. Because he is here, and he is here with us. He is the light in the midst of every single circumstance we encounter. All he asks from us in our weakness and in our vulnerability is to open our heart to him. He will do things in us that we never thought possible. As I bring this to a close, I leave us with the imagery of Calvary. Jesus hangs on the cross, and he hangs between two criminals, sinners. But doesn't Jesus eat and drink and hang out with sinners? Thanks be to God, he does. Even in the pain Jesus endures, grace is extended to the repentant thief. Our Lord tells him, Today you will be with me in paradise. We strive for some sort of paradise. But perhaps we should reflect on the light of Christ that constantly lives and dwells within each of us. It's really up to us to transcend the barriers that we put up as defenses and to leap out into his arms, trusting and obeying and knowing that he is the sovereign Lord that loves us, and he is relentless in bringing us back to him. God and sinners reconciled. This is grace in its purest form. Let us pray. Father, help us to realize that each of us is the object of your affection. We are the reason Jesus came as a vulnerable baby. We are the joy set before you when you endured the cross and scorned its shame. 
We pray for the grace to see all people through your eyes, knowing your desire is to offer redemption for all. Help us to be a part of your master plan, your mission, by forming the largest family the world has ever known, that we would all be brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us join in. Amen.